When you think of college-level music classes, what composers do you think of? Beethoven? Brahms? Probably Chopin and Vivaldi, too. But what about Rihanna? Or Wu-Tang Clan? What about the forefathers like Grandmaster Flash, the Sugar Hill Gang, and Run DMC? Are there instruments you hear? Soaring strings, strong brass, lifting piano? This is how we redefine the music. Let's go. What about record scratches or sampled beats and poetry meticulously assembled by legends like Jay Dilla? World famous beat junkie. Now, you might be thinking, wait, those are just rappers. Hip hop being taught in college? Our two guests in this episode are here to convince you that, yes, hip-hop does indeed hold a place not only in musical history, but also as a pillar of music education. I'm Amanda DeJong, and you're listening to Now at Ohio State. We talk with researchers, innovators, and bold thinkers who look at our world, see what the real challenges are, and create the solutions that people need now. No matter what kind of music you listen to or where you look to for cultural influences, hip-hop is omnipresent. From fashion to culture to art and beyond, hip-hop has shaped our world in countless ways. That's why Jason J. Rawls-Rawls and Stevie Dr. View Johnson joined us for today's episode. Both are assistant professors at Ohio State School of Music. Jason is currently teaching the art and politics of hip-hop, while Stevie is teaching hip-hop sampling and production. And together, they're transforming the way that students look at hip-hop music and culture. They joined our Franny Lazarus to lay down a few bars as to why hip-hop should absolutely come to mind when thinking about music education. Well, Stevie and Jason, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's start with you, Jason. You're a Columbus native. Yes. How does it feel to be teaching at Ohio State? Oh, this is this is a dream come true. I'll be quite honest with you. I used to speak to my father about, you know, teaching at Ohio State, and it was kind of like far-fetched. Mm. It was almost like, no, that wouldn't happen. As the stars began to align, it was it, it became amazing. So it's 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 definitely incredible for me. Well, I know people are really glad to have you here, both of you. That's great. Yeah, thank you. What are the classes that you're going to be teaching and are currently teaching in your first year? Currently, right now, I'm teaching the art and politics of hip hop, mm. which is an intro, basically an intro to the culture, the origins and the history of hip hop culture. And, and it's that good first class to kind of jump in and get your feet wet and see what you're doing. And then as you get excited about it, then you need to go. Check out Dr. Bue's class. <laughs> yeah, I'm teaching a, a hip-hop sampling, beat-making class. Wow. So students, which majority in this semester are non-music major students. Oh, okay. So these are students who have never made beats yeah, in their lives. Amazing. Wow. Um, so when I first got here, Jason took me to a used kids record store mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just started, started digging. Um, I already had developed a class, but when he took me to the to the record store, I'm like, oh, I need to incorporate this to my class. So mm. students went to the record store, found records, learned how to 
you know, take the record and put it in their in their software, record, and then chop up samples and make you know their own beats. Wow. So uh, it's been a very creative, um, innovative uh, class for sure. Yeah. How do you develop a curriculum? Collaboration. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just what hip hop is. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing that Ohio State took the risk of hiring two hip hop tenure track professors. Sure. And you know. For, for us to be in different points, periods of our lives mm-hmm. and to be able to mm-hmm. to help navigate the space. Because, you know, we always say, you know, hip hop doesn't necessarily need to be in these spaces, but we know the, the power and the appreciation and love that we have for the culture and what hip hop and education has done for us. And so I think for us, it's, we just sit down and try to remember where we were as kids right. and, and lovers of hip hop. And how do we develop courses that speak to our lived experiences and things that we know that, you know, students more than like you're not getting in other, you know, academic settings. Um, so just really just, you know, tapping into that that culture piece and history of how we've been raised and, and grew up in a culture. This has been exciting for me. Stevie kind of alluded to it. It's really for me as a young person growing up on the south side of Columbus who was making beats. I never imagined that I could go to college for making beats or doing hip hop as music. When I was coming up, hip hop was not thought of as music. You know, it was I was told that it was a fad. I was told that, you know, no, go to business college, which is what I did. (laughs) Get a business degree and go to work every day, nine to five. That's Mm -hmm. what you do. And so now we're we're going to spread the word to young people that you can follow your dreams. If you enjoy making music. You can come to The Ohio State University and pursue that dream. And the way we're setting it up, we're, we're actually developing curriculum that allows us to create a hip hop minor. Okay. And so students can minor in this. So say you're an anthropology student, okay. but you love hip hop, sure. right? You got your major in anthropology and then you can couple that, pair it up with hip hop. Right. So once you graduate, you've got that hip hop background, those hip hop sensibilities that will help you in anthropology or communications or journalist degree or whatever degree that you have. What does a hip hop studies program add to a school of music? Bringing hip hop into the school of music also speaks to the students. Many of our students are hip hop. They love hip hop. Mm. They listen to it. But, you know, when they come into School of Music, it's never talked about. It's never brought up. It's never mentioned. And so now bringing this to the School of Music lets these students know, hey, we see you and that's good. You can be hip hop and that's okay. You can still learn classical or jazz or what have you, but you can learn hip hop as well. And you can bring hip hop into the School of Music. Mm. And I think that's an important aspect that that needs to be brought up. It needs to be mentioned. I think these students are so they're into the music they right. love it they into, they're into the culture they they listen to it but it's just never brought up in the school of music so now that it is i think that's an exciting time jason you mentioned classical music and from what i understand the core curriculum for a lot of schools of music is your beethovens your brahms your bachs sure. is there room in a, a current curriculum for those western composers and hip hop sure sure definitely i think 
I think that's what makes it so special mm. is because you're bringing those two together. And that's what we intend to do uh, as we collaborate and move forward is, is showing the power of hip hop and, and collaborating with jazz studies or classical music, things like that, and showing the possibilities that are available. They're, they're endless, as Stevie said. Great. When you first got here, you were talking about digging through the crates, which is a, an expression I learned from Jason. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if you could describe that. Like, it's just a process of, like, digging through records and finding a record, looking at just, like, the the artwork of the record mm-hmm. that tells a story and being able to go, particularly most record stores have turntables where you can, like, actually listen. Okay. And so, like, taking the record, putting it on the turntable and, like, taking the needle and just skipping parts, just listening, like, to certain parts of the record, flipping it over, side A, side B. And then just taking, you know, whatever you find and just taking that into the, the studio and recording it through, you know, software and from there just chopping it and just having fun with it. You know, that's just a beautiful, I think when you talk about, you know, the Westerns versus like the hip hop, it's like the ability to take a Bach record and to flip it into some hip hop is something that we're definitely going to do. Quite frankly, digging in the crates is is simply archival research. It's really what it is. But that term comes from a crew that they were called the Digging in the Crates crew. Showbiz and AG, Diamond D, Lord Finesse, shout out all of those dudes. Um, the whole idea is to go through those old records because they're records. They're records, but not just listening to, but they're records of what the artist was going through. A lot of times... When you pick up a record, you can tell like from the years what was going on in the country at sure, the time sure. or in the world. And so you you learn more than just hearing the music. You learn about what was going on. Digging in the Crates is this idea of taking the, the music from the past and using that as inspiration. And that's what we say when we say chopping up. We're talking about taking pieces of that to create something new so that your music is inspired by something you heard before. What are some of the must-teach artists that you're going to be exposing students to? <laughs> There's way too many. I mean, when I'm <laughs> when I'm in the, um, when I talk about in 3450, I, I go through the gambit. So I talk about all of the pioneers um, from, from Grandmaster Flash to Cool Herc. I'm the guy who created the culture called hip hop, but only I, Cool Herc. To Africa Bambada, um, to Shah Rock, to the Mercedes ladies. You know, I, I go all the way back to the Bronx in the 50s. Mm. That's where I start. Wow. And then just move up through the culmination of where people started to realize that. They were doing this for the love. No one was getting paid for this. For the first major label hip-hop act um, signed was Curtis Blow in 1979 to Mercury Records. Well, these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up! So everything from 71 up to 79 was just, <laughs> we're just doing this, right? Sugar Hill Gang, of course, came out in 79 as well, and that was one of the biggest hits with Rapper's Delight. From that time forward, people started to realize, wait a minute, this can 
I can make money. And so that changes the game. So then you talk about those artists and you talk about how Run DMC was one of the first group, probably the first group to, to get a branding deal with Adidas. Mm. And that came about because the, the representative from Adidas was at Madison Square Garden one day and Run told everybody in the, in the audience, 100,000 people to hold up your Adidas. And they all did it. Wow. And so Adidas signed them on the spot. And so this idea of realizing that, wait, what we do has economic value and gives us economic power. And so that kind of changes. And then, you know, you move into different artists like that. So I talk about all those. <laughs> And, and there's way too many to name. So, yeah, that and that's just a, a sampling. All right. Stevie, what about you? Well, particularly for the sampling class, I'm, I'm highlighting a lot of producers that okay. have impacted the hip-hop culture. So the, the book that we're using is called Dilla Time, which is named after iconic producer Jay Dilla, who passed away at the age of 32. He was misdiagnosed. He actually had sickle cell anemia, but was definitely a, a pioneer of bridging straight and swing time together to develop this new, like, just beautiful movement in relation to hip-hop and, and production. But I go through the, just the gamut of, I even utilize, you know, Jay Rawls is a, is a huge pioneer in relation to sample-based production, but Ninth Wonder, Metro Boomin. I try to have the foresight to have from start of hip hop to like current day, which is a lot to do sure. in a 16 week span. Um, but the beauty is students do these uh, vinyl blog posts, virtual vinyl blog wow. posts. And so every week I have roughly three to four albums based upon what we're doing in class that week that exemplify these albums from 80s, 90s, all the way up till 2023. And they get to talk about it. They, they utilize resources like whosample.com. So this record that was created that Rawls did with Talib Kweli and Most Def, it's like they can really dissect, you know, why did he, why do you think he utilized this, this sample, this record? Um, and then for him to come to class and they ask questions, it's just, it's a whole, it's, that's the beauty of, of the hip hop is that not only do we get to read and learn and engage and analyze this work, but we also can bring in these hip hop scholars into the classroom and it's like an aha moment for them. And you know, I think about what I think it was two weeks ago, uh, Ross brought in um, High Tech, who's dynamic producer and just to see the students just kind of nerd out and just be in awe of who he is and to know that wow like he's a, a brother a friend of my professor um it shows that this you know hip-hop is bigger than just the economic value but like it's really relational in relation to you know all that we're trying to develop so yeah, it's just a it's just a beautiful space to be in, for sure, for sure. Jason, you've talked about wanting students to understand the practitioner side mm -hmm. and the cultural side of hip hop. Mm -hmm. 
Can you walk us through what that would look like? That's actually, that's what we're working toward with this minor. We're planning on it having two tracks, uh, the practitioner side, um, where as a student, you could come in and, and minor in hip hop and take courses and learn how to DJ, how to produce uh, hip hop music. Down the line and what we're working toward is also so that you can also experience the visual aspects. Mm -hmm. So we're working with uh, the visual arts department. We're working to try to bring something there and also dance, the dance department wow. um, with Donald Isom and his team and trying to work to bring b-boy lessons so that you can learn the, the elements. So you can go through this minor program and learn how to do that. And also the cultural standpoint. So like through the Department of African-American and African Studies, mm -hmm. you could also learn just the 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 idea of the hip hop aesthetic, uh, learn how to use it culturally in whatever major that you are choosing and that kind of thing. So we're excited that this idea of the two tracks, I think I think that really, mm -hmm. to me, makes this an exciting opportunity because you can kind of do both yeah. a little bit of both and and so you decide how you want to use it when you graduate and that kind of thing so that's what i'm excited about we're, we're essentially providing opportunities where students can learn the theory and learn the application of hip-hop so i think it's it is necessary for students to understand the culture like understand right. whether it's Correct. Archival research yeah. and understanding this record came out at this particular time, what was happening in America. Well, does that record speak to today, today's time? And understanding how hip-hop has always been a voice for the, for the oppressed. Yes. And how if you're going to be a part of this hip-hop culture and respect it and embrace it and embody it, that there's a certain thing that you have to learn, um, whether that's like the theory of, of the music, the theory of the, the historians who have written about hip hop to the application of it. I believe that if you're teaching history, deal with straight up facts, no mystery. Teach the student what needs to be taught, cause black and white kids both take shorts. When one doesn't know about the other one's culture, ignorance swoops down like a vulture. See what I'm saying? It's not to diss a man, we need the 89 school system. One that caters to a black return because you must learn. And so I think students will get the best of both worlds um, in relation to the theory application, that even the theory of, of making music, of beat making, and then to, for them to be able to reimagine what that could be. The possibilities are endless. You and I talked about digital production and how you can, you can create so much more quickly. Yeah. And that's something that students need to understand and then can use to their advantage. We have a lot of conversations about press in mm -hmm. relation to the bodies of work that we want to develop and an academic press, to be specific. And they're coming from a very book-specific mm -hmm. space. And a lot of times an idea in relation to a book is great, but sometimes the time has been passed or the momentum of the moment because of the editing process of going back and forth with yep. editors and having to change things. For us, it's there's not a really a platform for it. So we have kind of full autonomy to create the art and get it out there and meet the time, like have the momentum of the moment to like really articulate these experiences. So I think that's the beauty of, of what we're bringing is that we can we can truly meet the times and our students being able to understand how to utilize this software and develop space for them to be able to express themselves in a timely fashion that most mediums wouldn't have that same opportunity. 
the courses that you're pulling together, are these for students who are familiar with hip hop, but maybe aren't music majors? Or are they for students who say, I don't know anything about hip hop and I would like to learn something? For both. both. We're looking for students who are into hip hop and want to do this. Um, and we're also looking for those, like he said, that aren't music majors that kind of just have a little interest. Like, what would it be like to try to make beats? Like, right. what's that feel like? So we, we want all of those students. What do you want students to take away from your classes? The main thing for me when I teach 3450, the art and politics of hip hop, I'm looking for students to come away with, I've learned something about hip hop culture. I respect it a little more. And hopefully they'll spread the word. That's what I want. Okay. I want them to talk about it with other students. Because here's the thing. When I was growing up, hip hop was young and growing up. It was new. So we all gravitated towards it. Now when you think about young people that are growing up, hip hop is just there. It's mm -hmm. always been there. I can't right. imagine a time when it wasn't. And so they may not have that same appreciation. And that's what we want to share with them. We want them to see the value and appreciate it and then tell their friends. I live by our motto, everything is us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, not only is everything is us, but everything is on us to like make some change in this world. And I truly believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that hip hop is a culture, is a tool, is a medium that allows people to understand the power of collaboration. Talk to you, Jay Rawls. Thank you so much <laughs> for being here today. It's been great talking with both of you. Thank, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's undeniable how much influence, sway, and impact hip-hop has on our world at large. Why wouldn't it be taught alongside classical, jazz, blues, and more when we think of music education? With a culture so rich, so vibrant, so evolving, it's hard not to get carried away by the beats and the poetry, and pretty soon you're nodding along with your head without even realizing it. By this point, you might be wondering how these two professors got such cool nicknames. Is it a complicated process, trial and error, ordained to you by some sort of hip-hop higher power? Well, why not ask? I'd love to talk about your names. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start going by Jay Rawls? <laughs> that, that's easy. Um, in college, I pledged a fraternity. Those brothers started calling me Jay Rawls. It stuck. That's how it happened. Wow. My man Scooter, he just started calling me Jay Rawls. And so that's what everybody on campus, so, you know, yeah. people know you on campus. So I became Jay Rawls. And so by the time I met High Tech and Mood and mm -hmm. everybody and Kwali, they was like, what's his name? Jay Rawls. Oh, okay, he's Jay Rawls. So that's how I became Jay Rawls. <laughs> All right. Pretty straightforward. It's kind of cool, though. That's that it's really is. my name. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, my rap name was Kid Dynamite. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna stick with Jay Ross. Stick with Jay Ross. No dynamite. No, you no, sure? No. Yeah, if you want, we could be cool. dynamite. Nah. Stevie, what about you? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. You know, Longview is my hometown. Mm -hmm. We call it the View for short. So really, the doctor was just kind of like spin off of like obviously the terminal degree, but Dr. Dre, sure. but like Dr. View, which kind of just a reminder to just never forget where I come from just like stay grounded but yeah that's that's where it comes from you didn't have something like Kid Dynamite <laughs> no not at all absolutely you, you not you never had another name <laughs> no, when you no, was a rapper never no, never what never come on <laughs> no. had to lastly we want to give a shout out to Dr. View and his students Kaylin Quigley Maya Cohen 
and Ho Chin Wong for providing some original music in this episode. It's amazing stuff, and we really appreciate you letting us use it. Now at Ohio State is produced by the Ohio State University's Office of Marketing and Communications. For more information, visit us at go.osu.edu now. I'm your host, Amanda DeJong. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.